0: and welcome to Dance It Out, of Grace Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts Jasmine Petty
1: and Giuseppe Corallo.
0: Thank you to everyone for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about this week's episode of Grace Anatomy entitled The Makings of You. So if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers ahead. Uh, Giuseppe, how are you?
1: Well, I'm fine. I'm actually in the middle of preparing my luggage because I'm going to be off for a week for work. Hmm. I'm going to go to Cortina, which is um Mountain Place. I don't love mountain places, but anyway, I'm going to be there because there is going to be a festival of short films, movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as you know, I work in a communication agency uh, focused on entertainment. So I'm going to be there with an actress that we, um, with an actress, with a young actress, and she's the patron of this festival in a way. So it's going to be an interesting week for sure. What about you?
2: I'm
0: good. I had a good birthday week so far.
1: Right. Let us know. How, how it went that night of your birthday? What did you do?
0: It was great. So we all went out for, me and my friends all went out for Italian food and uh, my outfit looked great. Uh, they did the giant sparkler. If you look at my Instagram, you can see a video of the giant sparkler.
1: I saw that, I saw that. Yeah. And I also saw that you won like a happy birthday photo shoot or something mm. like that.
0: Yeah, I went did that uh, yesterday. So yeah, it was really cool. I won, um, so there was this thing on Instagram and they were doing like it was one of those things where, you know, you do the photo shoot and you get one free photo and you, you have to pay for the other ones, of course. But yeah, it was it was super fun. I went into that yesterday. It was I got my hair and makeup done. And,
1: and, oh. and they did they did the makeup in there. Yeah. And how was it to be a model for a day?
0: It was really fun. It was really fun. I haven't had the best experiences with like professional hair and makeup or photographers. So um, it was really nice to. Yeah, to be, you know. It felt really good. You know, they, everyone did a really good job and yeah, it was it was lots of everyone, fun.
1: Everyone was there to pamper you up. So <laughs> yeah. it must feel good, it must feel good. Well, yeah. I, weren't you a little bit embarrassed? Because I would totally die of, I, I would totally be embarrassed because I'm not good at posing for photos, but that's me.
0: No, I wasn't embarrassed at all. I, you know, it, I was a little nervous at first, but then, you know, I got into it and uh, I try to do something like outside of my comfort zone or, you know kind of around my birthday you know or once a year yeah. uh so this was kind of that that thing for me so yeah like the the hair and makeup person was really great and the photographer was really nice like they tell you how to pose and, and everything so
1: okay yeah. you have to show me some pictures when when yeah ready. when they come
0: out I'm going to post them on social and everyone well not all of them but everyone will be, will be able to see them so yeah I've had a really good week so far
1: great great and and there was another Grace Anatomy episode this Thursday, as we just said. And I mean, the, the social media guy who, who handles, of course, all the Grace accounts promoted this episode as Three Sisters, Three Stories. And it was that it was Three Sisters, Three Stories, and all these Three Sisters coming together at the end. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to do that 30 second recap?
0: Yeah, uh, can we down?
1: Three, two, one, go.
0: This week on Grey's Anatomy, Nick takes Meredith away to his cabin in Minnesota for a romantic weekend, which gets interrupted when his niece Charlotte and her boyfriend show up having had the same idea. While working on the report about their groundbreaking surgery, Amelia and Kai grow closer and spend a romantic weekend together. Meanwhile, back in Seattle, Winston volunteers to look after Meredith's kids after Maggie falls ill and finds a letter from Ellis Gray addressed to her. Ta-da!
1: (laughs) Ta-da! So... First of all, you know, they, they have been saying since the start of the season, this is a post-COVID world. Well, this is really a post-COVID world because Maggie has a flu and it's just a flu and no one wonders, oh, is it COVID, can <laughs> I touch it? So it just felt like whole times when our flu was just a flu and not everyone was, you know, terrified because of COVID, of yeah. course. So that felt refreshing in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I have to say that I liked the idea behind this episode and what it wanted to achieve. I'm not so sure that it, it all the right notes. So, mm-hmm. because I, I love the focus on the on the three sisters, on this bond that they have. Uh, when Derek died at the end of season 11, I remember that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna watch this show again. I'm not gonna get over this death. Ever. And then season 12 happened. And I, what drew me in was this, you know, this relation, relationship between these three sisters, mm-hmm. Amelia, Maggie, and Meredith, that they built since that season. And I think it was very powerful. So every time the, the show focuses on the three of them, I'm very excited. So when I read, as I said before, the log line for this episode, Free Sister, Free Stories, I was very excited. But at the same time, I felt like it was a little bit boring in a way yeah i I think it could have been more powerful and i'm talking especially about maggie and ellis but we'll talk about that later i thought so overall i thought it was a good effort but i'm not sure that it was the perfect episode what i really loved anyway was the fact that the real question of this episode was at the end of the day who are we what makes us what Mm. Is it family? Is it Are the things that happen to us every day? So I really thought that the underlying theme of the episode, who we are, was really interesting. It's not the first time that Grace has tackled this issue. Of course, the entire show is based, we could say, on this premise. But I really I really liked it in a way. All these free women in this episode were out there, put, uh, were putting themselves out there. And they were not afraid to say who they are what they want um and I think it was really powerful and of course Meredith did, did, did this with Nick and Amelia did this with Kai and and in a way Maggie found a, clo- a closure with this meeting with with this <laughs> you know, fever induced yeah. the fever
0: dream yeah
1: dream, The yeah that she that she had what did you think about this episode
0: yeah I I don't know because, like Amy and I were kind of talking about, and we, I agree with you that like it was kind of boring. Like one of our, I'd say, our big criticisms was that like a big toe of the episode was watching Nick and Charlotte fight, and Mary, and Amy was, you know, like I said, we talked during the commercial breaks, and she's like, "Why do they think we want to watch these randos fighting?" Like I don't care. Like I'm not invested in this. Like, <laughs> like,
2: yeah.
0: you know, so it is one of those episodes where. I think, you know, with the ones that focus on only a few characters really closely, if you're a big fan of those characters, those pairings, it's great. But if you're not, or you're not loving that storyline, it's very dull to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, like, and since some of the more recent episodes have been faster paced, which is what I enjoy most. Yeah, it was a bit boring. It was a bit slow for me. I'm obviously not a fan of Meredith and Nick. That's never going to change so like I just disliked that entire storyline about well the only thing I liked about it about Meredith and Nick was the guy that Charlotte was dating he had some funny lines in there
1: oh yeah Silver I loved his line when he said Silver these names is exactly like me right now uh bright but overlooked I thought that was so so fun
0: (laughs) yeah like when like Nick and Charlotte storm off and Meredith and him are sitting at the table and he goes I think this steak is Wagyu
1: yeah yeah. yeah. And they
0: cast, I have say, the casting, like they cast the perfect actor to play that guy because he gives off that like stoner, surfer, like meditation dude yeah. vibe completely. So um, I thought like that was well done. I and mean, we're going to talk a bit more about this, I think, when we get into Ellis and, and Maggie. But there were certain points that, like, I was hoping for more follow-up or more follow-through on certain things, kind mm-hmm. of at the end of the episode or in an upcoming episode. And that didn't really happen, which to me kind of took, like, I felt like there could have been more emotional punch there, you know?
1: Me too. I agree completely. Yes, absolutely. And especially, um, as I said, especially in that Maggie and Ellie's storyline, because yeah, I think um, you need more depth in a way.
0: Yeah, so uh, before we get into that, is there anything else you want to say about Meredith and Nick?
1: Yes, I love them, as you know. Mm-hmm. I am completely in love with it the for them. I love the chemistry. And especially I love how adult is their their relationship is. Because okay, I agree with you that in a way it wasn't really interesting to see, you know, Nick and Charlotte having a, a fight because uh, we just met Nick and we don't even, and it, this was the first time for us to to meet Charlotte. So I, I understand why you could have felt it boring, but at the same time, I thought that Charlotte was just was just the excuse for, for Meredith and Nick to have their first heart to heart conversation. I mean, not their first, but an important conversation about who they really are. So for the first time Meredith and Nick are there and they're not just kissing, they're not just staring in the into their eyes saying, how happy they are to have found each other, but they are vulnerable. I just loved that Charlotte is like a mirror for Meredith. Meredith says that she reminds her of her past self mm-hmm. and this girl who used it to travel, who had pink hair, And so in this way, Nick gets to know another side of Meredith and, and and Meredith gets to know another side of Nick because for the past few weeks, we have seen that Nick is just... The new McDreamy, in a way, is kind of perfect. And I know McDreamy was not perfect. He had a lot of flaws. I'm just talking, jurors' speaking. At
0: least, Mc, least McDreamy was good looking. Good Lord, the styling on that guy. Oh, my, oh my God. God. His I mean, hair? What cannot, is wrong with you
1: that? Can, no, 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 no. You cannot say the Speedman is not good looking. I think the way
0: they're styling him this season, I can. He was good looking when he showed up in 2014, 14. But, like, have you seen his hair? It looks like I, they dropped him out of the 2000s. It looks absurd.
1: I find. I find him so, so sexy. And I, I really think the guy is, is a, so good looking, even more than Patrick Dempsey. There, I Ugh. said it. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I, 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 there was a scene between Meredith and, and Nick, uh, I'm not talking about the when I'm falling in love scene, the, the scene before that, in which Nick makes a confession to Meredith He says that he may be thinking about quitting his job, And Meredith does another confession for the first time. She says that she doesn't know why she accepted the job, you know, um, to do the research for the Parkinson project, but she knows something. She knows that she cannot just go back to being chief of general surgery at Seattle Grace. So what I found interesting is that that scene begins with the two of them at odds with each other because, you know, Nika is... He's mad that Meredith meddled in his relationship with his niece, and Meredith is mad that he didn't take um, her advices. So I think it was interesting that by the end of that scene, they're just opening each other. They're just opening to each other, and they're saying such pow- powerful stuff. I mean, these two people are both at crossroads, and they're both thinking, This is not enough anymore. I wake up and I'm not satisfied anymore. So what I find interesting is what's gonna happen next. I mean, I have an idea for what's gonna happen to Meredith. And I think that she might want to, I think she's gonna go back to neurosurgery. I think this is gonna be the catacly- the, the thing that's gonna make her reconsider her, her, her path. And for Nick, I don't know what's, again, what's gonna happen for him. I know, but I know they were in for a very interesting storyline because, because I think conflict is arising between the two of them. And again, I love how adult they are. And I loved the I love you scene, even though there was no I love you, but it was, it was like Nick said, I love you. And it was like Meredith saying, I love you too. And the fact that after all this year, we see Meredith so at ease, we with their feelings, it's just so refreshing. And this is reason enough for me to just be completely on board with the two of them.
0: Yeah, well, I pretty much disagree with everything you just said.
1: <laughs> That's great. Right. That's why we're here.
0: Oh Yeah, I for me, like one of the reasons I don't like their scenes, and Amy and I both commented on this, is like that opening scene where they're on the couch and she like straddles him. It just, their scenes physically feel very forced to me. Like they feel... Like, even here, both like, well, like, I, I know this is different for everybody, but like, never have I been in a situation where I was making out with somebody and I rolled over and straddled them on a couch. Like, it just feels very unnatural. And I guess that this is different for everyone, but like, their scenes physically feel very unnatural to me, um, which bothers me because I felt like her scenes with Hayes, even though we never got to see them get to that point, felt very organic and natural. And that was also a big issue I had with her dating Beluka as well, that like, the reason I like Hayes and Regs over to Luca and Nick was because they were they they seem to work off each other naturally, in their body language or their posture. And I'm just not I don't see that here, so that really takes me out of the moment. I also felt like you know when like his niece Charlotte showed up, I'm like so they previously indicated that you know Charlotte and Nick talk quite often, but then in this episode, I, I felt like he came off as an irresponsible parent because you know both Charlotte and Nick show up in the cabin having had the same idea. I'm telling. I'm thinking to myself, wait, so these people talk all the time and yet neither of them communicated that they both have the same idea about a cabin they both have a key to? That seems like a very easy one text. Hey, I'm taking, you know, I'm going up to the cabin for the weekend kind of a thing. So like, I, I get that, you know, it was kind of a ploy to, you know, um,
1: yeah. to make things happen.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. It's just that that it, it kind of irked me. And then when Nick made the comment about like, oh, like you don't understand, you had a famous surgeon for a mother. I'm like, really? Meredith gave up on a perfect guy that Christina handpicked for her that was dark and twisty like her who understands her for a guy who doesn't, who like, you know, when we first see Nick show back up in Minnesota, they go on that picnic. And he's, like, talking like he knows her. And then he turns around when this episode is, like, you had a favorite surgery for a mother. You're like, you know, your life was perfect. You don't understand. And I'm like, really? She gave up on the perfect guy Christina picked for her? For this guy who doesn't know her at all? Like, this is just but stupid. That, but
1: that's what... But I also think that's what makes good storytelling because and this is a problem that I have with letter grace. In the past, male characters were depicted and, and female characters, but especially male characters were mm. depicted with, with flows. Owen is a flowed person, you know, and yeah. We love to hate him. And he makes so much mistakes, pressuring Christina, pressuring mean, I mean, he does so much mistakes. And Alex, Alex is a terrible person. I mean, he's misogynist, he- he Yeah, in the early he, seasons, yeah. He, he, he cheats on easy. He's just a terrible person. And, and uh, George, George might my, my, uh, come across as perfect, but he's not. He plays the victim sometimes. So-
0: Yeah, they're flawed, I mean, yeah
1: they have the old flaws and nowadays the new characters I, I think i'm thinking about wisdom he's perfect and i'm thinking about link before this season he's perfect they seem like yeah. cardboard or the female characters so to have a character who is not perfect who doesn't always say the right thing who is not just there to, to be the partner of the female to me it's great because because people are just that. I'm a good person, but I can also be a better person. I can say good things, but I can also say bad things. Yeah, and no, right? that's life, and, and, and that's people. Nick is more interesting than Winston right now. Winston is just, I can feel the Nick, uh, the, the Winston is written because he's too perfect. I don't like characters who are perfect. And another thing that I want to say I, and, is that Nick was depicted in this episode as a controlling kind of parent, as a person who, 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 who doesn't leave her, her his knees, but I think he was right. I mean, this girl is going out with this crazy guy Silver, who could choose to name himself Bronze the day after tomorrow. So <laughs> I thought that his concern. Were valid. I mean, if yeah, were I, a- I
0: thought so. I thought so too. I, I, just, I didn't like the way he went about it, but I did think his concerns were valid. I, I think, and also when you're talking about perfect versus flawed, I think my issue here, for example, like a character like Hayes, one of the things I loved him so much is when we first meet him, like he comes, he comes off poorly, and over time we get to know him. And I think it's that, I I think it's the way they've set it up. Because if you character that comes in, comes off poorly or flawed or complex from the beginning, and then later on, you know, they become a better person, or we see more sides of them, that gets me invested. That feels more real. But if you character like Nick, or like you're saying, like Winston or Link, where they come in so perfect, and then you have them do something that's flawed or, you know, in poor taste, they just come off like jerks rather than complex, flawed people. I think. Like, I think the order in which they do that is what makes the difference for me.
1: Yeah, I th- I, I, I completely get it. And I think this just speaks for, I have to admit, for, for the decline of the quality of the writing. Because mm-hmm. if you think about a character like Izzy Stevens, for example, yeah. she has been there. Uh, she was in Grey's Anatomy for like 110 and 20 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even less. But... To this day we still remember her so perfectly. And more than than and, and she's more powerful as a character, more than Joe. And this is just a testament to how great the, the writing was at the beginning. Now it's a little bit clumsy. So yeah. I just try to to see the good side and the positive side. But yeah I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I just i I, I want these people sometimes to be bad. Another pairing that I might like, I can see the chemistry, I can see that I, I saw in this episode, but at the same time, I just cannot enjoy it completely because I'm like, sh- she behaved so poorly. And I'm talking, of course, about Amelia. and Amelia, Amelia and Kai, can, yeah. Yeah. I can, I just, I cannot get behind this pairing. And not because they don't have the chemistry, but for two reasons. First of all, I think that the actor who plays Kai is not great at acting and the other thing is that you know amelia just didn't communicate with link amelia Mm -hmm. just decided to do whatever she wanted and keep seeing her as this passionate person this person who has to embrace herself and that's okay but she should be also say that i mean if she if she would admit how selfish she has been behaving then i would be on board but right now, with everyone telling me how great Amelia is and how great she has acted and how people do not understand it, I mean, I just cannot get behind this couple. I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't because it comes as the, at the expenses of another character's happiness who was just ambushed. And not because I loved the Link Amelia, but because, again, Link deserved more. At least Link deserved it to know that things were not going great. So... I, I I just I just don't like the way they're portraying Amelia right now.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I don't I don't mind Kai's acting, the actor who plays Kai, in that regard. Um, but yeah, I agree about Link and that whole storyline. And I feel like Link is just left out in the cold when he. I mean, yes, he did make mistakes, but he loves Amelia. If she would just talk to him, it's like she went off and decided all this stuff. And yes, he should have clued into the fact that you know. She wasn't on board with getting married. She wasn't on board with having more kids. But at the same time, Amelia keeps acting like they had some kind of conversation. And as far as we know, they never did. So, yeah, I feel like her relationship with Kai comes to the expense of Link's happiness. And I don't like that either. And, and seriously, like, I don't really feel chemistry with them, with Kai and Amelia. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not against it. I'm not for it. I'm just kind of, in, I'm kind of neutral. One thing that did kind of bug me about their storyline, though, was that when they're talking about kids and, you know, Kai was saying that she's a plant mom. And I did like the scene when, you know, Amelia was introducing herself to the plants yeah. and then at the end-
1: That was cute, that was very cute.
0: Yeah, Amelia went back to, you know, she to spend time with Scout. Um, well, I did like that. This is, this is a pet peeve of mine, this show, but also other shows, like general television pet peeve. When you have two characters and one of them is a parent, is a loving, you know, present, loving parent. And they start dating somebody or someone takes interest in them, knowing full well that they have children, possibly an ex-partner, uh, you know, knowing full well that that's a big part of their life. And then they say something or do stuff that indicates that they're not interested in being a parent right now or at any point or that they're not into, you know, being a parent. And it's just it just bothers me because like, yes, I know that sometimes this happened in real life, but it's just so. Like, to me, that's not an interesting storyline. To me, a more interesting storyline would be, um, you know, a character, you know, dating somebody else and finding out they have kids, finding a way to be a part of their family, wanting to embrace that, which is something I loved so much about the potential of Meredith and Hayes. And to me, that's a far more interesting storyline. And I hate that whole trope and that whole thing of, you know, I love this person, but even though I knew they had kids, I don't want to be a parent. I don't want children. And it's like, well... You knew that when you started dating them. And to me, I'm like, if you know that, a smart person goes, we will stay friends. I will not pursue this because I know that I don't want children and you have them. Um, mm-hmm. So that always really bothers me. And I'm not trying to single the show out. It happens in other shows too. So yeah, that bothered me. Although I did like I did like the bar scene when I went out to the bar, mm-hmm. uh, I, I did enjoy that. Um, but yeah. yeah, overall, I'm not super on board with this pairing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not super on board with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but I also think that they're writing this couple as an end game couple. I mean, that's the feeling that I'm getting. I yeah. think that the end game couple is going to be the two of them, and I think the link is going to end up at the end of the show with with Joe. So. I think they're here to stay. And another surprising combo in this episode, a really surprising one, was Maggie and Alice. I mean, this is the first time they share a scene. No, I think they shared a scene before in in another of Meredith's dream in season 15.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think very briefly, yeah.
1: Yeah, like very briefly in Meredith's kitchen. I remember that scene. And but this is the first time that these two characters have a conversation. And I always love when when TV shows or or movies find a way to make two characters who could not interact because one of them is dead and the other is alive, interact. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was pretty funny. But but as you said before, uh, and as we as I said before as well, something was actually missing. And at one point, when Maggie, so Maggie found found this letter from Alice, um, a, a letter for her, and she starts reading it. But I got confused at one point. I I was like, okay, what Alice is saying right now is is something that it's part of the letter, or it's something that it's just in Maggie's mind. You know, I was I was confused about the content of the letter of the letter. And at the end of the day, when Maggie says to Amelia and Meredith, that now she found closure, I was like, mm, why did this letter was so important for you to find closure? I mean, no, I mean, I, I get it, but at the same time, the content of this letter was not that powerful for you to have like an epiphany, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, that was a little bit weird, 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 weird for me. But the thing that I loved the most about this Maggie and Ellie storyline, apart from the scene in which Maggie sees her mother, her, her adopted mother. I mm-hmm. thought that was a very sweet moment, and also how the director of photography uh, chose to light that that scene. You know, in all the dream scene with with the um, between Maggie and, and and Alice, we saw cold light, as cold as Alice Gray and as their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then when when her adopted mother appears and when she holds her, the light is again warm and and. Mm-hmm. Maggie is back with someone that she loves and, and by, uh, with someone that loves her back. So I thought that was really, I cried in that scene. I have to say, because I mean, I luckily I still have a mother, but I think that, you know, one of the most powerful things must feel when you don't have a mother anymore. And in a way, if she comes in a dream and she holds you, it must feel very, very powerful. So that scene really got me. But I was saying, so that the thing that I loved most about this storyline, as weird as it might sound, is that, is, the, is that it led to the conversation that Winston had with Zola. Mm. Because for the first time, Zola says something important to Winston. She says that she wonders about her birth mother. Mm. And I thought it was really real. An honest and raw conversation, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And I really hope that they explore it some more because I think it could be really interesting.
0: I also enjoyed the Ellis storyline. Yeah, I, I too. It was a little confusing about what was in Maggie's head and what was in the letter. I do agree on that. It also, I think it was also a testament to how much Meredith shielded her from. Like, rem- I said to Amy, you know, during a commercial break, I was like, I'm thinking back to like all the tantrums that Maggie threw when she's first appeared on the show, and like Meredith didn't want her around or like you know she kept expecting things from Meredith as if Meredith had a normal lovely upbringing and you know Meredith didn't want her around because she she couldn't understand and I thought there was an interesting closure moment and then like you know when when Maggie's talking to Winston and that you know saying that like Ellis was every bit as cold and as horrible as, as Meredith always said she was, and that you know I I think Maggie just kind of, you know, naively, because she grew up with such love, you know, didn't quite believe Meredith or didn't quite want to believe her, I think. And, you know, this was, I think, a moment, I think when she's talking about closure, that that was kind of it for her, realizing that, like, you know, well, Meredith had to grow up with this person as her mother. And the best thing she could have done for her was place her for adoption and give her the loving family she, you know, that she had rather than what the hell that Meredith went through. That you know that she met Bill and Diane and that she picked them, and you know, and and that kind of that closure at the end. There where you know she wishes that Maggie and Meredith could have could have met and become sisters, and and Maggie kind of realizing that her, you know that that is the one good thing that that her relationship with Meredith and Richard and everything that came out of that is like what's the good that came out of it. Um, so I really did like that. Maggie um, and I were laughing because when after Alice disappears and someone puts their hand on on Maggie we thought it was winston that turns out to be her adoptive mother diane Mm -hmm. we were like holy crap how sick is maggie like what kind of next level fever dream is this That like she's hallucinating this many people like oh my god
1: it wasn't such a touching moment
0: it was it just it was also kind of funny to us because we're like wow how high is her fever that she's hallucinating multiple parents
2: um so
0: yeah we got at that moment um like I said this earlier, but I also felt like I was hoping at the end of the episode there was going to be some explanation of so they find, Zola finds the letter in a box in the laundry room in storage and like that fit with what we know the episode where Ben has to deliver April's baby on like the kitchen table he finds an old medical bag of Alice's in that same room so it fits in terms of where the stuff was stored and we see her plaque from, you know, her office and at first, Amy and I were like, OK, um, you know, maybe Meredith just shoved some stuff that you know, Alice had in her office into a drawer. And like without contacts, you know, a letter addressed to Margaret wouldn't mean anything. But then when Maggie starts reading the letter, you we find out that she wrote this, you know, as she realized she was getting sick with Alzheimer's and the letter's not sealed. And so I was hoping for a follow up on, you know maybe Meredith found the letter at some point and was like, oh, I gotta give this to Maggie. And then, you know, one too many near-death experiences later, Meredith forgot it, slipped her mind or something, or like an explanation of how this letter wound up there and didn't get into Maggie's hands. But at the end of it, Meredith says, like, I can't believe she wrote this, it doesn't even sound like her, which means that she set, found a letter in her mother's things addressed to Margaret, didn't open it and just threw it into a box having cleaned out that entire house. I I just, I wanted more explanation or follow-up.
1: I read an interesting theory about it because I wondered about the same thing. And then I read this thing, which Mm -hmm. I think is quite fitting. So when Zola finds the letter, before she finds the letter, she finds the, I don't know how it's called. The The plaque,
0: the the plaque. Yeah,
1: yeah, the plaque, in which it says, Alice Gray, the clinic, the clinic in Minnesota. So I read this theory in which are, this is new stuff. So w- Meredith got it in Minnesota, you know, some stuff from Ellis and, and, and she hasn't had still the time to check it, to check it out all out, you know? Oh,
0: okay. Cause she right, were to the clinic. Okay. I thought that was from Grace Sloan or Seattle Grace. I didn't. No, no, I didn't it, was, know. it was
1: from the clinic. So oh, okay. I think new stuff, she just took it and she put it there giving too much thought about it. And this is why she, she didn't, she hasn't found the letter.
0: Oh, I right. So she was like, put it in a box, put it over yeah, here, I'll deal with it yeah. later. Okay.
1: And, and so this is all new stuff. So I, mm. I, I guess this is a good theory. It works.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I have to say, the one thing Amy and I were talking about is like when she burns, like I guess it's supposed to be about closure, but Amy's joking comment was, wait, do they just have this random brass bowl in their living room for the purposes of burning things? All right. That's some interesting decor. Oh, um <laughs> And then we were both kind of like, well, I wouldn't burn it. Like, I'd probably just put it away because like Winston makes that whole point earlier about like, you know, that fire where he loses some of the yeah. last birthday card and everything, you know, presumably there's other things with Alice's writing on them. But like, I feel like when Maggie gets older, she might want, you know, she might want that or if they have children, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just, especially things about handwriting, like. I know. I, I just if it was me, I'd just keep that and put that aside, kind of a thing.
1: Me too, but again, it's a TV, TV, it's a TV show. No, um, so it's more dramatic to have it born and to yeah, have that, yeah. that image. And what I found, I think, it, I mean, I found it interesting the fact that we have this new intel about Alice Gray, that she, if she had, she she could have been a um oh my god um, oh
0: cardio she could have been a cardio surgeon.
1: Yes. And I thought that was interesting because it, it, I, I, reman- I was reminded of the conversation that she had with Christina Yang in oh, yeah. that episode from season three, of episode 14. And in this episode, basically it's an episode in which Alice is lucid for a day. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this episode? Yeah,
0: yes, I know what you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she's lucid. And she talks to Christina and she talks about um, her specialty and how she's fit for the, spe- for the cardiothoracic um mm. surgery type so i think that was interesting and it, yeah. it was a nice intro to know so I, I like when they give us new info which do, do not contradict previous history <laughs> yeah and which do not mess up continuity
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so speaking of, as i said before I, I said that one of the most beautiful things in this episode at least to me were the conversation between zola and and winston mm-hmm. And so, because Winston had his own storyline with with the kids. What do you think about it?
0: I mean, I liked it and I didn't. Like, it was nice to see them interacting more. At the same time, like, and I know it's part of the setup, but the whole thing made everybody kind of involved seem like an irresponsible parent because Meredith, you know, Nick was Meredith away to a cabin in Minnesota. That's not the first time he's put in a situation where she's, you know, because we don't have a lot of information, it looks like she's kind of neglecting her kids to be with this guy. So the, I didn't love that. And then we find out, you know, he's got his own parenting problems. And when she was interacting with Charlotte, I'm like, so she's out here trying to parent Charlotte when she should be parenting her kids. Meanwhile, her own child is having an existential crisis about her birth parents. And who's looking after, like, who's dealing with that? Her sister's husband. Because we find out that Maggie is sick. And so I'm like, did Meredith know Maggie was sick? Like, did she seriously leave her children with her sick sister and her husband or did she come down with it after I was just like really seriously that just seems so irresponsible to me on the other hand I did like seeing Winston interact with the kids and we did kind of see Bailey and Ellis's dynamic more and their personalities and I did like when they were playing doctor and you know I thought Winston was really great that he stepped up for Zola in that moment but it kind of felt like when Zola was saying that Meredith was her hero, it felt a little bit hollow to me because I'm like, and your hero is where? She's gallivanting off with some guy in Minnesota.
1: So that's not fair to Meredith. Come on. That's of course she's a hero. She's the woman who raised... No, I this- know that
0: she's her hero, but I just felt like, OK, your hero should be here right now for you in your time of need.
1: Not but screwing around with a
0: guy to a cabin in Minnesota.
1: But that's just life. She, I mean, she's a woman in her forties. She deserves to have a life, and she she will not be yeah, able. Yeah, but you can
0: have a life and not neglect your children.
1: But she's <laughs> not neglecting her children. I oh mean, come on, is- we've
0: barely seen them all season.
1: But I know that they. She sees their children. Uh, uh, I mean, off screen. I yeah, think but he,
0: they used to address it. They need to address it through dialogue. They need to address it on screen.
1: They, they don't. It just she- looks neglectful. But they don't need to tell me that for a weekend she, she's off with the, the guy she's falling in love. And just, they just do not need to tell me that. And the end of the episode- Yeah, but okay. all- what I'm
0: trying to say is you don't feel that way, but me and like fifteen hundred other thousand people have been commenting on this and they feel but, that way. I know, way. I know.
1: And I think it's unfair to Mariette. And I think it's I don't unfair- I think
0: it is. I mean, they need to- I- I won't say Meredith, I say the writers. The writers need to be addressing this through dialogue. People have made it clear that this is something fans are experiencing. They need to read the room and address this through dialogue. It's that simple.
1: Well, I don't find it this way. I know people, because again, I don't need to be told this thing over and over again. I know she's a mother. I know she's a great mother. I know she's a true daughter. At the end of yeah, the episode. She doesn't
0: seem like a great mother if they don't address it.
1: And at the end of the episode, there is that beautiful scene in which they're all together. and.
0: Yeah, that was nice. I did, I did like that.
1: And I, I loved how they, you know, decided to include Zola in that scene. It, mm-hmm. it just means that she's growing up and she's becoming part of this sisterhood. So mm-hmm. speaking of sisterhood, to end the episode with her, with a new character. I mean, Scout was there as well, but you know, he's too young. So <laughs> to have Zola part of that sisterhood, it just, it, it just felt nice. and, and Yeah, it and- was a
0: really nice moment, I agree.
1: So Jasmine, what was your favorite scene or line of the episode?
0: I don't think I had a favorite scene, but I think, um, I, like I said, commented on this earlier, but like the guy who played Silver, like all of his random one liners, <laughs> um, those really made me laugh. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I, th- I think that was probably one of my favorite parts of the episode, even though I didn't like the stuff going on around it. Um,
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That, that made me laugh. What about you?
1: I really love the scene between Meredith and Nick, in which uh, he says to her basically that he's falling in love, and the uh, replies, "When you're falling in love, the wishes him. I, and the music and the the context, the context, I think it was very romantic, and I loved it. So yeah, that was that was my moment, and that's our show. So if you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review. And of course, tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at outpod and on Instagram at Dance it Out Grace Anatomy. Until next time, I'm Giuseppe.
0: And I'm Jasmine.
1: And this is Dance It Out.
0: A Grace Anatomy podcast.